Hello again, and welcome back to the Slow Flowers Podcast with Deborah Prinzing, episode 396. This is the weekly podcast about American flowers and the people who grow and design with them. It's all about making a conscious choice, and I invite you to join the conversation and the creative community as we discuss the vital topics of saving our domestic flower farms and supporting a floral industry that relies on a safe, seasonal, and local supply of flowers and foliage. This podcast is brought to you by slowflowers.com, the free nationwide online directory to florists, shops, and studios who design with American-grown flowers and to the farms that grow those blooms. It's the conscious choice for buying and sending flowers. And thank you to our lead sponsor, Florist Review Magazine. I'm delighted to serve as contributing editor for Slow Flowers Journal, found in the pages of Florist Review. It's the leading trade magazine in the floral industry and the only independent periodical for the retail, wholesale, and supplier market. Take advantage of the special subscription offer for members of the Slow Flowers community at deborahprinzing.com, where you can also find the show notes for today's episode 396. Our first sponsor spotlight is Northwest Green Panels. Based in Madras, Oregon, Northwest Green Panels designs and constructs a wide array of wood-framed greenhouses, offering versatility, style, and durability. Their greenhouses are 100% Oregon-made using twin-wall polycarbonate manufactured in Wisconsin, making Northwest Green Panel structures a great value for your backyard. The 8x8-foot modern slant greenhouse has become the essential hub of my cutting garden. Check out photos of my greenhouse in today's show notes or visit Northwest Green Panels to see more. That's nwgreenpanels.com. Our theme for 2019, 50 States of Slow Flowers, continues today with Kat Wilrit of Illinois-based Wilrit Flower Co. So listen for our conversation at the close of this episode. Last week took me to Southern California, and I covered a lot of ground while there. From participating early in the week at the Gathering Rose Workshop, produced and hosted by Danielle Hahn of Rose Story Farm and Felicia Alvarez of Menagerie Flower and Farm, both past guests of this podcast. To ending the week with a visit to Los Angeles, where I met up with Mayesh Wholesale Flowers, a sponsor of the Slow Flowers podcast, and connected with today's guest at the Los Angeles Flower District. I was so thrilled to spend time with Whit McClure of Los Angeles-based Whit Hazen, a studio designer who is a featured speaker of the Slow Flowers Summit coming up this July. Well, we're friends via social media, and we've chatted on a telephone interview for a story I wrote about Whit for Florist Review's Slow Flowers Journal last December. Well, nothing can compare. Wit and I enjoyed a lovely breakfast, and then we recorded the interview you'll hear next. Here's more about Wit. Studio floral designer Wit McClure moved to Los Angeles three years ago, and she has been designing with flowers ever since. Her introduction to flower farming and floral design is rooted in connections made through food justice and the local culinary community in Washington, D.C., Witt spent years after college working on farms, in community gardens, and in the nonprofit world, teaching folks of all ages and walks of life how to grow their own food. Eventually, she found floral design as the perfect blend of working with plants, crafting beauty, and collaborating with others, while remaining committed to social justice in her other line of work, ever inspired by nature's abundant beauty and driven to respect and protect its resources, Whit McClure is motivated to bring more beauty into the world for others. I'm so pleased to share our conversation with you today. Be sure to visit DebraPrincing.com to find show notes for today's episode and check out my Q&A with Whit featured in the December 2018 issue of Florist Review, as well as photos of Whit's work and links to her social places. Let's get started. Welcome back to the Slow Flowers Podcast with Deborah Prinzing, and I'm so excited today to introduce Whit McClure of Whit Hazen based in Los Angeles. Hi, Whit. Hi. Thanks for doing this. I'm so excited to be here. Yes, it's great. We just met uh, at the LA Flower Market, mm-hmm. and um, we were talking about all the things you're doing in your career, and the I'm most excited that you're going to come speak at the Slow Flowers Summit. Uh, so we'll a little bit more about that first, but let's introduce everyone to your business, Whit Hazen. Um, people call you Whit Hazen, they think that's your last name, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so first, 
first of all, give us a snapshot of your business. Like, how did that name come about, and and what do you, where do you fall in the, uh, the floral orbit of Los Angeles? Yeah. So, uh, Wit Hazen came about because Hazen is my mom's first name, so she doesn't name. go by it. She uses her middle name, and I was like, well, this is a really rad name. Yeah. Should be out there. I'm gonna use it. Oh, that's so. great. Oh, it's kind of keeps it in the family then. Hmm. Wow. Well, so uh, Wit is you, for you and Hazen's for your mom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also it's kind of one of those names that it could it, it could be uh, like a law firm name or it could be, uh, yeah. you know, a barista or a, or a coffee shop name. Nobody knows what, yeah. what it means. And that's what I liked about it because I felt that it didn't pigeonhole me straight into doing flowers. But as my business grows and if I wanted to grow into doing other things that involve flowers and other parts of design, it would be able to carry on with that. That's a good point. I hadn't thought about that, but that gives you a little bit of uh, fluidity in all kind of creative areas. Mm -hmm. So you established this business when you moved to Los Angeles. Is that right? Yes. Well, within the first year of me moving. Okay. And you were, tell us a little bit about how, how you put the business together. So I moved to Los Angeles. It will be four years ago this summer, which is kind of wild to think about how fast that's gone by. Um, and so my first year here, Um, When I moved here, I moved here from D.C., and so I had started doing some floral design before I moved, but then when I moved here, I was like, okay, I'm ready to do a complete career shift. I'm just going to go balls to the wall and make this happen. Embrace Um, flowers. Yeah, Yeah. I'm going to embrace flowers, and L.A. was really like a very fortunate place to be able to do that because flowers are pretty accessible for people who are just getting into it here. Um, And so I did... Within the year, the first year I was like freelancing with other people, just getting my feet wet in the industry and trying to learn as much as I could from different designers mm-hmm. and like what they did. Um, and also like in D.C., you didn't have the same palette of flowers to work with, right? Exactly, yeah. You have a lot more here. Mm-hmm. Very fortunate in that way. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it's one of those things where I realized in doing freelancing that I needed something a little more consistent and it seemed that the best way to do that was to freelance but then also to do my own thing and I just I felt like I had my own sort of story to share with flowers so it was time to do that yeah you do so we were talking over breakfast about how you kind of slice up the pie so talk about the key um, facets of floral that you're doing as in terms of through Whit Hazen in terms of services sure so um, the main part is doing weddings and events so I do that throughout the year um, then I would say another section of the pie is doing weeklies. So weeklies for different restaurants. Um, I also sell market bouquets through one of my weekly accounts. Um, what's the name of that store? Uh, it's called Botanica Restaurant and Market. Oh, okay. So, so it's a restaurant, but then in the front they sell, um, different value added, value added items that they use in the, in their kitchen How that they eat? love, um, and so they just realize that the flowers that I bring in there adds so much to it that they're like, oh, people probably want this in their homes too. So started doing cool. that. I do um, I deliver there twice a week. And then the third section is doing like retail. So like retail installations for restaurants and different stores. That's You had to really plug into a, this community of creatives pretty quickly to have that much going on after f- four years. I mean, you had just... Got out and started meeting people and and volunteering or yeah just just I know you've met other other designers too right mm-hmm. yeah and I felt like you know fortunately in LA there's so much creative energy here there's so many people who are like trying to do things um, there's not a lack of that it's more so like finding people. Just finding the right people yeah. who you, your style and what you're trying to put down. People out who there get match. people who get your vision and and can align with you. Mm-hmm. Like I would imagine, like a photographer or for someone who's who's in the fashion industry or like you've got to find people who have your same aesthetic. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. Mm, that's great. Um, what are some of the fun uh, in like styling retail things that you've done? I know you've done like openings uh, for for chains and that sort of thing, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, last summer, a fun one that I got to do was for this, like, nitrogen ice cream shop. <laughs> like nitrogen would, ice cream concept. Who would think flowers <laughs> would belong there, yeah. right? <laughs> but it worked because... Um, Part of their concept is that they have a rotating list of seasonal flavors, and so I 
did a couple of installs for whenever they would announce their new flavors. So it kind of works, you know, seasonal flowers and seasonal ice cream flavors. I can get, I can tell, I can embrace that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's so fun. And then your um, wedding and events work, is that pretty much in LA or do you go outside of the city or? It's pretty much in LA. LA and like, um, you know, beach weddings are so popular Mm -hmm. here. So like on the west side in Malibu, um, we're in Long Beach, but yeah, in general in LA. Yeah. And you were saying you work out of a studio at home Mm -hmm. and then you have a couple key designers that you also freelance for. So you're kind of getting to know the, the whole, I don't know, the whole machine of weddings here. Yeah. Yeah. It's really nice to like being able to freelance on the side because, um, one, I feel like as a result, then I have other people who freelance. So when I need help, we're all able, you know, it's like a yeah. nice little pocket community mm-hmm. to pull from. Be like, oh, I have this going on. Can you help me? And vice versa. So, yeah. um, Do you have a cooler or does that limit you not having a cooler? So I have like a uh, air conditioning unit that I've rigged. In- <laughs> <laughs> You're not the only one who's done yeah. this. <laughs> I mean, I learned it from a designer who I was freelancing with. She was like, my first couple of years, like I had a air conditioning unit that I like just slept in the room with the flower. <laughs> Yeah, gotta do what you gotta do Absolutely. to make your dreams happen. Absolutely. So. <laughs> I, I mean, and it's probably all winter. You don't need a cooler at all. Yeah, then... it's mostly you know. I guess that time is about to approach very soon. <laughs> but it's like those days when it just like gets up to ninety and and you have a beach wedding. Mm-hmm. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I think we met originally with just because you somehow came into my feed on Instagram and I I was so enchanted with as I told you before I love your palette I love the way your eye sees color just somewhat uniquely from this sea of blush that we're all swimming in and I just started following you and thinking oh she's cool I want to know her (laughs) so um your aesthetic how would you describe your aesthetic I don't want to mischaracterize it I'd say I mean colorful Mm -hmm. bold whimsical um yeah, I feel like that's pretty much what, how I would usually yeah, describe it. not formalness. It. I mean, someone asked you for like a compact formal ball of roses. Would you even take that wedding? I would, but I wouldn't post about it. <laughs> yeah. Like, I would have put it out there as that being what I do. Yeah, um, yeah. Because it's not necessarily the kind of work that I'm trying to bring in. Yeah. Um, but, you know. Yeah, we all have to pay our bills. Exactly. So you're... Um, your, I wasn't clear when I first started following you if you were intentionally trying to buy or source from local farms or seasonal, but it became clear to me that those would seem to be the, some of the, the, that's some of the best work that you're designing. You're not 100% only local or only mm-hmm. California grown, are you, from your sourcing? No, I'm not. Um, it's hard to... It's weird being in Los Angeles, I feel like, and being able to source 100%. I think because of the heat, it's just so... In the summer, it gets so hot. And the real estate in the area is just so expensive. Yeah. I feel like being able to be a small flower producer um, seems to be difficult. It's definitely something that I'm personally interested really? in. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, About doing some growing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so that's, like, the things that I've noticed as being... The the barriers. Mm-hmm. But buying at, like, the L.A. flower market, how are you pretty much able to determine where everything's coming from yeah yeah Mm -hmm. and fortunately like all the vendors there like they'll tell i can ask them and they can tell me like oh yeah this is from california or they're like no this is an import and some vendors um or wholesalers at the market you know they are solely import you know they don't have very much local products yeah and others are a little bit more uh overt about it Mm -hmm. but you often when you post uh your bouquets you often comment about this being seasonal or local mm-hmm. so it's it's part of your brand yeah definitely yeah um I definitely want my brand to be one of those that's having that conversation mm-hmm. and just helping people realize because you know I think before I came across your podcast I hadn't really thought about it mm-hmm. at all I'd known about like the local food movement but hadn't really thought about flowers you know and how that really needed to be part of the conversation too well since you brought up the local food movement let's talk a little bit about your path to floral because it didn't it start in in the food world somehow Mm -hmm. tell me a little bit about that yeah so like I said before I moved to Los Angeles I was living in DC um and when I lived in DC I had a slew of different jobs I would say (laughs) you know an exploratory career path (laughs) being in my 20s you tried everything on yeah um and so 
part of that was working in uh, the nonprofit world, and I did that around local food and community gardening and giving, um, figuring out ways to help different neighborhoods, like low-income neighborhoods and folks living in those communities, figure out how to be able to grow healthy food because having access to healthy food is such an issue, yeah. like... I mean, it's an issue around the country, um, but particularly in urban areas where the population density is there, but the density of, like, nutrition is very lacking. Right. Do you, um, what terms do you like to use to describe? I mean, I've heard food desert, but mm-hmm. maybe it's more like a nutrition desert. Yeah, it's, you know, that's a good point. I think that um, I also have heard the term, I think this was from Leah who was on your podcast previously, Food uh, Apartheid, which is also, because it is like, it's not just a happenstance sort of thing. It is very intentional and very systemic. Kind of like redlining. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Exactly. So you're also, you're you're creating community garden programs in neighborhoods that maybe people don't own the land that they're gardening on, but there's some kind of nonprofit that partners with the community mm-hmm. to provide plots or something yeah. like that. Yeah. So the particular um, group that I was working with in D.C. is called Beach Street Gardens. They're still around. Um, oh, yeah. And so the way that they would do it is, um, as an organization, we would partner with an already longstanding organization within the community. So, like, they already had, like, financial support they already had community involvement so we would partner with them um and a lot of times they if it was like at a shelter or something already had the building already had the space really just needed like the resources the knowledge and the resources around like how to get things started yeah like they needed someone to jump start mm-hmm. a growing program yeah yeah so that's essentially what we do we jump start it give as much information as we could to the people who we're there on a regular basis because like the, also the whole idea is that we're not trying to be gatekeepers of this information mm, you know mm. like this is something that everyone should be able to know and I think like intrinsically we do all know like we wouldn't be surviving if not, if we didn't know how to grow food I think people are like really scared like ah, I don't know but <laughs> but somewhere in our lineage we had a relative who yeah. was putting a seed in the ground and not that far back you right. know like we it feels like very, I think nowadays we all feel very detached from it, unless we're a gardener. Yeah. But, you know, like, my grandmother was, she doesn't like gardening now, and that's because she had to garden so much growing up, so. Right, right. But you're like, oh, but come on, this grow some flowers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think I kind of had a little bit of that uh, too many weekends spent weeding, mm-hmm. you know, in those crummy, like, teenage years or adolescent years that it took me a while to realize I did like gardening. Mm-hmm. So so you were kind of in that food, community organizing world, and, and you somehow, flowers became a part of that? or Yeah, um, so it was very, so I ended up leaving the nonprofit world full-time because it's a very, it's a difficult place yeah. to be full-time. Yeah, it's a drive. Um, I think it's important for everyone to have their time, like either working in a nonprofit or in the service industry, kind of feel like that should be something everyone does. Yeah. So it gives you a newfound respect for for people who are doing it Mm -hmm. as a profession. Yeah. Um, And so I ended up leaving that to have like a short career as a dog walker. All right. It's (laughs) funny. I think everybody has has to have that career too. Yeah. It was cool. I was a co-owner for uh, this company that was a collective. So it was a really cool business model. And I think, like, really helped me realize, like, oh, I could be an entrepreneur. Mm. I could, like, maintain my own schedule and get my own work and, like, learn the ins and outs of doing that. Um, But as a result, I still miss, like, gardening and, like, being creative. And so I had made – I had bought – some dried flowers from the farmer's market from one of the vendors that I would go to every week. And it was just winter time, and so I decided to make a wreath. And I was like, oh, this is... I'm, like, really into this. And I sent a picture to um, a friend who is actually Sidra Foreman's husband. Okay. Uh, and I was like, do you think Sidra needs help with... <laughs> Was he in the culinary world? Or, mm-hmm. okay, yeah, and so we had that. worked together yeah. um, before, and I was like, do you think Sidra needs help with flowers? And he was like, you know, maybe. Um, and so then how that happened is what she needed help with was her, she has a beautiful garden uh, at her house, and so I was helping in getting ready to move to L.A. I was like, oh, I got to 
about to move to this really expensive place from one expensive place. Yeah, uh, really. What's wrong with you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, I need to get as much money as I can. So I, so on the side, was... Um, Freelancing for her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in yeah, her garden. Yeah, in okay. her garden. Then she's like, oh, do you want to help me do some weddings? And I was like, okay. And then I was like, oh, plants, parties, people, like, it just clicked it's, all of a sudden. Wow. Isn't that funny? Mm-hmm. It was just waiting for you. Yeah. Um, and so the move to L.A., was that intentionally, well, obviously it was a lifestyle change for you coast from the cold coast to the warm coast, mm-hmm. but did you have an idea that you'd be in flowers when you moved here? I knew it's something that I wanted to look into, but I I just kind of winged it, honestly. Wow. This is, Good for you. Yeah. It was, yeah, that's what you I need to do yeah. when you're young. Mm-hmm. You know, in hindsight, I'm like, what? what? <laughs> you had some faith, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> in your own ability mm-hmm. to land on your feet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, that's I mean, that it seems to have worked out for you. I mean, yeah. you launched your own business. Your website is beautiful. Thank you. Your feet is gorgeous. And I know you're busy because you're always posting your work, mm-hmm. right? So it's it's balanced. Yeah. And, and it, I know that you're, um, you're just building your career right now. Mm-hmm. And that's a pretty exciting place to be. It is. It's been, you know, it's like, it's, there's so many growing pains to it. But at the same time, I'm, you know, for me, it got to this place of... I can't always be there. I just had this nagging feeling of, you know, I need to do this. You know, I just need to try because mm-hmm. if it doesn't work out, well, at least I can say that I tried. Right. But like just that, you know, when your soul is speaking to you and it's saying like, you're not going to be content until you yeah. at least try it. So, right. I think that's wonderful because so many people have that regret later on in life that they did pursue something because their parents told them they couldn't or Mm -hmm. society told them that they couldn't or that it was, you know, being an artist is not practical or, you know, whatever it is, you hold yourself back. Yeah. And that's very much like how I was, I think at first with my career and why I went into nonprofits because I felt like, oh, I want to make some sort of change. I want to do some sort of good and felt like, I don't know if art is like the way to go about that. Um, it's like it's nice to do and it's nice to have, but like it seems How kind pre- of frivolous yeah. to be focusing that full time. But but what a good segue for our what I also wanted to ask you about. And as as we pivot, is uh, your your ability to do make change and to advocate for change, and you know at, you know be a change agent through flowers is really exciting and that's that's a space that you've created for yourself through some of your personal projects Mm -hmm. right um how did that come about like i'm referring specifically to some of your instagram posts yeah um i think it came kind of similar to what i was just saying just feeling like you know okay i've decided that i'm going to focus on doing flowers and like being a creative entrepreneur i'm gonna do that but also knowing that like deep down that I think it's just so important to be putting it out there, like what we, how we want to see the world to yeah, be. Yeah. Um, and just feeling like also as this is my business, I get to call the shot. So like, if that means that that's what I want my business to be like, then I get to do that. Yeah. Um, and it's been really great. I think like it also just helps me feel good knowing that like, I'm trying. I'm using this business to help me make a change. Yeah, and have a platform for things you advocate for. Mm-hmm. So some of the posts that you've done, uh, a lot of them have to do with uh, turning flowers into sayings or statements or, or you know, spelling something out. Mm-hmm. What are some of the ones that that were the most widely responded to? Most widely responded to is probably so. Last summer, I was um, working with this organization here uh, in L.A. to stop uh, the jail expansion that was being planned for um, within L.A. County. They were trying to put, I think it was like 35, or no, I can't remember the exact... A big amount. Yeah, it's yeah, it millions of dollars that they <laughs> were trying... Add a few more zeros. Yeah, <laughs> millions of dollars that they were trying to add um, for a jail expansion, both like the women's jail and like a mental health facility that essentially wasn't going to be a facility, but was going to be incarcerating mentally yeah. um, ill folks. Wow. So and it was just really interesting being a part of that um, because I like did stuff that I had never done before. Like I had never 
canvas before so like going door to door and like knocking on people's doors or like phone baking to get people to volunteer these are like even though I had had experience doing organizing it was always this was like me really diving in showing up and being present and out of your comfort zone probably right oh my gosh so out of my comfort it's nerve-wracking to go up to even though your neighbors you know there are people who live in my neighborhood it's nerve-wracking to ask like to interrupt someone and ask them because we're having them sign a petition or something Mm -hmm. okay yeah Yeah. so we're having them sign a petition so that um we could put on the ballot for the midterms uh just that we wanted it to um be put on the ballot that they would then have to ask people in the county like do you want this to happen instead of just having it automatically yeah happen. Mm-hmm. before so, just going through okay. like the board of supervisors they're signing off and then it happens so the petition was going to allow you to put on the ballot a vote of should this be uh voted upon in the future mm-hmm. so what happened uh our efforts worked and wow. then we stopped the jail expansion wow so yeah it was um but your message was really like why are we putting all this money into jails when this money should be more preventing yeah. uh, individuals from being mm-hmm. jailed. I mean, I, it's just so logical to me. Yeah, it's just like, this is such a large amount of money that, you know, it, I think they noticed that with that amount of money that they could build, like, a community center in, like, all of the... Every ca- neighborhood yeah, or something, yeah. you know, it's just... Yeah, um, wow. And there's just so many issues in the county, in Los Angeles, that get dealt with through policing yeah. and through incarceration rather than trying to figure out, like, how can we stop these things so that we're not have to, having to put all this money into yeah. it. Because it's like, it's not just expanding the jails, but it's like then having to take care of people when you're not actually taking care of it's them. It's this whole industry that's benefiting, and it's 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 corporate corporatization of jails Mm -hmm. so you uh just to finish that thread you did some beautiful um vignette floral vignettes that said no more jails and Mm -hmm. that sort of messaging on instagram that caught my eye and you know i was so impressed with that because it was like okay you're bringing this message to people who are looking at your beautiful feed they expect to see flowers Mm -hmm. but you're causing them to pause and think and read what you write and often there was some kind of call to action Mm -hmm. and I mean did anyone unfollow you when that came about or not that I noticed you know and if they did you know it's just that's just how it goes yeah Yeah. (laughs) I mean you you're being authentic and that's what you care about more Mm -hmm. yeah um and yeah, it was really great because I think rather than losing people, I think I gained more track or like followers. Yeah, and I think you people did. knowing my work and um, appreciating your your point of view as a like you said, an entrepreneur who can call the shots and do whatever she yeah. wants because it's your business. Yeah, and it's just like I think it's important, like as entrepreneurs, for us to recognize that like we're not working in a bubble. You know, like the things that are happening in our communities, for better or worse, are going to have an impact on our business, whether we see it as being an immediate impact or not. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and so that's why I felt like it was really important to say something, and it was important to say because I don't know, like before that question had been posed to me, I don't know if I ever had thought about like a world where jails wouldn't exist. You know, I don't think it's just one of those things that's like so built into our system that I don't think that we can imagine right off the bat, like what that would look like. Yeah. I think the thing that I thought was interesting, what you just said was like the, the people expect jails and police actions to, to fix problems and it's, it's such a glass half empty kind of mindset. Like, no, no, we all need to fix problems together that will prevent crime or will prevent you know violence or whatever but it's not just warehousing people Mm -hmm. and I I totally bought into that like okay she's flipping the conversation yeah it's about like how do we look out for one another yeah right yeah yeah so what's your latest cause that you're (laughs) I don't mean that like that that's not a very flippant like what's your newest uh attention that you're or item that you're focusing your attention on um so I want to continue to focus on the jail issue because I think that you know it's not resolved really it's not resolved and like California has like the largest jail population in the world wow so this is like that's insane yeah it's really wild to think and if all that money was spent on education on early childhood education on job training it's like 
what would this state look like then? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Women need to be in charge of this thing. I yeah. Oh, my gosh. Um, yeah, but you've posted some things recently about ice or um, mm -hmm. or maybe the wall. I can't remember. Yeah, but. I made another one about abolishing ice, and that was probably the one because. And I think because I did that at the height of. Um, I mean, it's still like, at a height, but, but like right when um, the announcements were made, that was the one where I got like the most trolls. You yeah, know, like finding me. From, Haters, yeah, yeah. <laughs> from Lord knows where, and like right. writing comments or and stuff. Um, yeah, but that's part of it. You yeah, know? exactly. You can always unfollow them and block them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> or just you know, I'm just like I'm gonna delete the comment. I don't necessarily think that like a productive conversation around that can be had on an Instagram. No, post, I agree. You know? Yeah, I agree um, completely. It's more so like I want to bring attention to this for you. So. Well, I want to keep talking to you, but I know you've got to get to your freelance gig. Can you just give us a little snapshot about what people are going to hear from Whit McClure at the Slow Flowers Summit? Yeah. I'm so excited. You're our capstone speaker. You're going to be our, our, our final presentation that leaves everybody challenged to maybe rethink what they're doing in their business. Yeah, I am really excited to come and speak. And I mostly want to speak about how to make our business be of service. Mm -hmm. Um I know that, like, already we're in sort of a service industry, you know, and we, like, in customer service is so much a part of the stuff that we do as oh, floral designers yeah. or as, like, a wholesaler. Um, but really how to, like, deepen our commitment to making our business be of service because mm -hmm. I think that it is through that, like, constant deepening commitment is where real change is going to happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and relationships are going to be more authentic and what your flowers then become kind of a tool for that. Mm -hmm. They're not the be all and end all, right? Exactly. Wow, I'm excited. And you're going to do some uh, some designs too, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, that's awesome. Well, listen, um, I have a few bonus things to share on today's show notes. Um, I did a Q&A with Wit in the December issue of Florist Review, so I'll share that with everybody. And then maybe you'll give us some new photos of, of your latest work. Whatever you posted this morning, that bouquet was gorgeous. Thank and you. so we'll get some photos. And I hope you all come to the Slow Flowers Summit and meet all the speakers. And especially be sure to come up to Wit and say you heard her on this podcast and that you're following her now. And I just thank you so much for meeting me this morning and finally getting to meet in person. Yeah, this is so exciting. That's I'm great. very happy I got to meet you in person finally. Me too. Anything else I didn't ask you that you want to add before we wrap up? think so okay I think good we covered it. all right <laughs> we did pretty well and if you could only see where we're sitting <laughs> all right thank you so much thank you deborah take care thank you so much for joining me on this slow flowers journey as i seek new and inspiring voices people with passion, heart, commitment, and expertise to share with you. I hope today's episode gave you at least one inspiring insight or tip to apply to your floral enterprise. What you gain will be multiplied as you pay it forward and help someone else. As we mentioned, Wit is the capstone speaker at the third annual Slow Flowers Summit, which takes place on July 1st and 2nd in St. Paul, Minnesota. You'll hear from Wit about her approach to floral activism as she encourages audience members to use their artistic platforms for social change. I can't wait for you to join us there. More than half the registration slots have been grabbed to the Slow Flowers Summit, so don't miss out on this opportunity to join with Slow Flowers thinkers and doers in person. One of our past year speakers dubbed the summit a, quote, floral mind meld, and I love that concept. Come and be part of the incredible and uplifting experience of community. You can make your way to slowflowersummit.com to learn all about the many opportunities to join us, from flower farm tours and dinners on a flower farm, to business and branding presentations to interactive and inspiring design sessions, all created to serve you. Subscribe to Summit News and Updates at slowflowerssummit.com. Our next sponsor spotlight today goes to the Seattle Wholesale Growers Market, a farmer-owned cooperative committed to providing the very best the Pacific Northwest has to offer in cut flowers, foliage, and plants. The Growers Market's mission is to foster a vibrant marketplace that sustains local flower farms 
and provides top quality products and services to the local floral industry. Visit them at seattlewholesalegrowersmarket.com. Our 50 States of Slow Flowers series continues today with the state of Illinois and our featured guest, farmer florist Kat Wilrit of Wilrit Flower Co. Kat's wedding designs start with flowers cut fresh from her farmland, where she grows organic high-end cut flowers on just a few acres in northern Illinois. The farm is the heart of her business, and she loves to show it off, often with a glass of wine and a walk through the fields. I wish I could do that. Let's jump right in so you can hear more. Hey, I'm so excited today to continue our 50 States of Slow Flowers series, and today we're visiting Illinois, and I want to introduce my guest, Kat Wilrit of Wilrit Flower Co. in Illinois. Hi, Kat. Hi. <laughs> How are you? I'm good. I'm so excited to be here. <laughs> at, fir- awesome. <laughs> at first, I was like, are you hesitant or nervous? But I know you're not. <laughs> <laughs> No, not too nervous. Oh, good. Well, we were just reminiscing that we met um, last summer in Chicago in, um, in a, on a rainy August night, as I recall, when mm-hmm. we had a Slow, mm-hmm. Slow Flowers um, Illinois meetup in, in the city. And I asked you how long it took to get there, and you said sixty about 60 miles. So tell give us mm-hmm. a snap, snapshot of where you're at. Wilrit is located west of Chicago, what, by about an hour or so? About an hour, depending on traffic, yes. Mm-hmm. So what is what is the business? So Willard Flower Co. is a design studio and flower farm, and we are actually located on an organic, certified organic grain farm. So it's kind of um, wow. it's very interesting. We do, yeah, we do um, weddings and events all over Chicago land. We grow specialty cut flowers on about an acre, and we are technically in Malta, Illinois, which is about a thousand people. But yeah, just just west of downtown Chicago. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. And um, the certified organic grain farm, is that like in the family or something? Yes. So my husband is a sixth generation farmer. Um, So he and his family own Wilrit Natural Farm, which is the grain farm. That's cool. And what do you have to like elbow your way, your elbow your way into one corner of that, that (laughs) land? Sort of, sort of. Yes. And I decided I wanted to do this. They have a field that actually the farm that we live on um that has kind of a weird wonky shape that they hate combining so i was like we could just even that out and i can flower farm there so it worked out really well for me i'm super lucky to be able to grow on like such amazing ground it's awesome and have have these veteran farmers around you who maybe have oh yeah you know some advice for you as your or, or lend you tools or stuff like that right Oh, sure. Yeah, I'm very lucky. They have all the big equipment to farm thousands of acres of um, ground. So to do my little acre takes no time. I'm really lucky to have that. Well, you said that you are serving Chicago, Chicago land, which I know is a term for yes. the metro area of Chicago. Mm-hmm. What, as a farmer florist, how does your pie slice up? Like, how do, Are you oh, a solopreneur or do you have a crew? So it start, It definitely started out as me and like whoever I could wrangle to help me plant and harvest and everything. Um, now, as we've grown so much more in the event industry and doing mostly weddings and things like that, I do have some awesome freelancers and a couple girls that work with me on almost every wedding. Um, so the team is definitely kind of in a building period. That's kind of what I'm working on this summer. So depending on the event size, it may just be me and one other person. But if it's bigger, I do have kind of a team that goes with me. Yeah. And then, and then how about the farming side? The farming is mostly me. That I have a little harder time finding people who want to play in the dirt versus, you know, take pretty flowers to weddings. Right. Um, <laughs> and I really do. I do not mind the aspect of doing some weeding or if something by myself. I kind of love it. It's kind of like therapy for me. So I don't mind being alone doing that. Um, I do have a lot of help from my mother-in-law, my husband, mm-hmm. things like that when I, mm-hmm. when I need it. But yeah, the farm is more just me. So when you're marketing uh, yourself uh, to the wedding industry or mar- marketing Will Rick Flower Co., mm-hmm. are people coming to you uh, for your design aesthetic and then they happen to find out that, oh my God, she also grows these flowers? Or like, what's, what's the public persona of the company? Yes. 
I would say it is definitely people coming first for the design aesthetic and then brides, couples, whoever I'm working with um, are also very excited about the growing aspect. I wish I had a little more of the people coming specifically because I do grow and use local flowers. I think that's coming. I think it's happening more, but right now, um, kind of vice versa. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, that's, that speaks highly of your brand and your aesthetic that that's, I mean, because if they're valuing that, they're going to be willing to pay, uh, you know, fair market or, you know, value-added pricing. They're not trying to get get the farmer's market pricing or something like that. Well, it's interesting that you say that. I did start out doing farmer's market, and that has kind of led me to not do farmer's market anymore because of that. Right. And I know some people, yeah, I think that that's a challenge for a lot of farmer florists. Um, It definitely was for me to kind of differentiate farmer market flowers and wedding flowers. I never quite struck a good balance with that. We're no longer doing any farmer's markets now. Um, It is pretty much all weddings. Mm -hmm. So that was, yeah, that's definitely an interesting balance. Well, and, and you're right that that is kind of what a starting point for a lot of people. And then you evolve Mm -hmm. and and change and maybe outgrow that, that model, or you just simply don't have the time. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. All, a lot of the markets are weekends. The last year was Friday nights and that was um, (laughs) definitely too much. That's when you're Saturday wedding. Yeah. As I say, that's when you're in production mode. Uh, I know. Yeah. And I know you're obviously in um, a cold climate. I don't know. Are you zone five or what is the zone? 5B. Yes. We are technically 5B. Yeah. Are you, are you uh, growing only in the field or do you have uh, shelter structures uh, for growing? I am a hundred percent field grown. So I don't have any, anything season extension, no hoop houses, no greenhouses yet. Um, So yeah, all field grown. It's definitely interesting. So what is that? Like, what are, what is your mix of flowers? Is it mostly summer annuals and then some perennials that you've gotten established or what, what do you, what are you kind of known for? Some of both. So we obviously, when we did farmer's market, did a lot more summer annuals just to be able to fill our market bouquets. Um, and things like that. But now as I move into more growing for my own designs, I don't sell to any other florists or anything like that. Mm -hmm. It's just for me at this point. Um, I would love to get to like 50% perennials. So I am planting perennials as much as possible, as many as I can every year. We do a ton of bulbs. That's kind of, kind of just my personal favorite. So right now I have tulips and narcissus and muscari and all that kind of popping up. But then we do plenty of the summer annuals too, things that don't ship well, things that grow easily. So it's kind of, it's kind of all over the place as far as what we grow. I'll, I even do some field grown ranunculus and things like that, that I, you know, would be far better in a hoop house, but wow. I love trying new things. Yeah. So I'm very much a, a, let's just try some of everything type of person, which I can't say I would recommend, but I it, like experimenting. So yeah, it's a little bit of everything right now. Well, plus you want that diversity for your designs, I'm sure. Exactly. Yes. Kat, mm-hmm. do you have to buy uh, from other farms too, or are you pretty much? Oh, I do. Okay. How does that work? All the time. So there are, we are so lucky just in the Chicagoland area, um, you know, Northern Illinois in general, Southern Wisconsin, there are a awesome group of flower farmers. So if I don't grow it or don't have enough of it or the right color, um, want something different, I have a pretty good list of other local flower farmers that I, um, do buy from regularly. Yeah. That's neat. I love it. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm so fascinated, uh, with this business model and I I know it works for you because, and for others, because you're within a easy, relatively easy commute to a Metro market. And that sort of support, Mm -hmm. that supports a, I would, I would imagine a better kind of budget and a little bit more, you know, progressive, Mm -hmm couples or whatever. Um, sure. How did you get into this? What, what was your background? <laughs> so I have a kinesiology degree. Okay. <laughs> nothing, you know, nothing flower related. I don't have any, um, formal horticultural training. I worked out of college in an ER for a little while. And then I worked in medical sales when I moved to Northern Illinois. I'm originally from Kansas. I really actually haven't lived in Illinois for that long. Um, but I realized pretty quickly that the corporate world was not for me. Um, so I kind of just pulled my resources and we were already living on the farm. Um, my husband and I, at this point, he was farming 
full time. And so I started out just wanting to grow. I never planned on designing, but I also have a florist sister, <laughs> a floral designer sister. Um, and I had done weddings with her and worked with her. She, she is in um, Northwest Arkansas. Um, so it pretty quickly transitioned into design as well. Oh um, my as gosh. Farming. So yeah, yeah. So- it's been kind of a crazy ride. Um, but yeah, I have some amazing resources as far as family and friends go. So that certainly helped. Sure. I mean, you weren't afraid of picking up a pair of, of uh, a knife or a pair of clippers and just playing around with flowers because you'd had enough exposure through your sister's, uh, exactly. Yeah. Yes. Very cool. And what does she think of you, uh, doing all this growing? Is she, is she growing too, or is she, uh, kind of more, I don't know, more used to the typical florist model of ordering flowers? Exactly. Yes. But she is super supportive of the growing. She comes up here as much as she can in the, in the summer. So we can, you know, design with my flowers. She absolutely loves that aspect. And it was really great getting started too, because I could ask her, you know, what kinds of things should I grow? What's good in design? What holds up out of water? What comes in looking bad from the wholesaler? Um, you know, or she doesn't ship well and grow those things. So yeah, it was a really, really great resource and still is. Oh my gosh. I, I mean, it's so interesting to talk to people about their paths. I kind of laugh when you said yeah. kinesiology, because I thought, well, maybe, <laughs> maybe you know how to work physically without injuring yourself. I mean, there's got to be something there, right? I cannot tell you how applicable this is. I, I would love to just like talk to florists about how to take care of and flower farmers too, about their bodies, because it is such a physical job, both floral design and flower farming. So actually the the kinesiology background has oddly served me very well, at least in taking care of myself, um, you know, in the busy season. Yeah. Oh, we need to do a story on that. Like the care and feeding of a florist or farmer florist or flower farmer. Cause I, I, your body is the first thing to go and that's your most important tool, right? Your hands, your hands, yeah, your feet. Yes. Yeah, I'm kind of fascinated by like bridging the two, those yeah. things. I love it. Yeah, I think there's there's definitely something that, that people don't know that you have to share. So let's <laughs> let's talk about that. <laughs> yeah, for well, sure. Well, Kat, before we jump off, um, I just want to thank you so much for sharing your story. And uh, hopefully we can have photos um, of some of your work and your flowers uh, that we can include in the show notes uh, for today's episode and um, links to, for people to find you. So uh before we sign off, though, I want to kind of get your sense of like the temperature in Illinois. Like, what is the climate for a consumer? Uh, you alluded a little bit to couples who are coming to you, but like, what are, what do you think is happening in terms of growing interest in Illinois-grown flowers, for example? I really do think people are starting to get it and kind of connect. Like, okay, people are getting local food. They understand, um, you know, from buying local farmers and things like that. And I think that is starting to move more towards flowers as well, especially because there is such a growing and amazingly collaborative group of flower farmers in the Chicagoland area, as well as Southern um, Wisconsin too. Um, There's a lot of us and everybody does have such a great attitude as far as working together. And I think that that does um, kind of cross over to consumers too, because people see local flowers more, you know, at farmer's market or even, you know, at Whole Foods, there's local flowers here. Mm -hmm, Um, I do think people are getting it. Yeah. I think we're getting there. Good. Oh, that's good. Well, what is this? Are we entering your what fourth or fifth season or where are you on the map? Or on the calendar. Third season. (laughs) Wow. Wow. It is only three. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you've been busy. So something's working. Sure. And really, I mean, uh, it is, we have such a good group of flower farmers that will share knowledge and have far more experience than me. So I'm very lucky that I ended up in this area with those people that everybody's so helpful and kind and welcoming to new farmers. Oh, that's great. Yay, I'm yeah. so excited. Well, you know, I was <laughs> I was born in the state of Illinois, so I have to be very oh. in, I lived there only till I was, I don't know, two years old, but I have my father's Illinois native. So I have I have Your a root. Yeah, a little bit. Kind of more like um Oak Park, uh, you know, Elms, okay, Elmhurst sure. city area, but not too far from where you are. So I'll have to come out and visit the next time I have a family trip. Yeah. 
Yeah, you could visit a lot of great farms. <laughs> well, thank you so much. I, I'm so happy to learn a little bit more about Wilred uh, Flower Co. And uh, I know that uh, we'll follow you on social media, but I'm glad we can share some photos of, of maybe some of the, the flowers that you've grown and designed with. I think that's such a unique niche and, and just um, combines... I don't know. It's funny that you didn't think you'd be a florist and now you now you're using all those yeah. skills. Yeah, well thank you. This has been great and this podcast has certainly taught me so much over the last three years. Oh, that's great. Well good. Now you're gonna be uh, in the in the alumni association of, of people who've been <laughs> on the podcast. Thanks a lot, Kat. Yeah, thank you. so much for joining me today. I'm so pleased that we could share the stories and voices of fellow Slow Flowers members, Whit McClure of Whit Hazen and Kat Wilrit of Wilrit Flower Co. Truly, we have a vital and vibrant community of flower farmers and floral designers who together define the Slow Flowers movement. As our cause gains more supporters and more passionate participants who believe in the importance of the American cut flower industry, the momentum is contagious. I know you feel it too. I value your support and invite you to show your thanks with a donation to support my ongoing advocacy, education, and outreach activities. You can find the donate button in the column to the right at deborahprinzing.com. Our final sponsor spotlight thanks goes to Syndicate Sales, an American manufacturer of vases and accessories for the professional florist. Look for the American flag icon to find Syndicate's USA-made products and join the Syndicate Stars loyalty program at syndicatesales.com. The Slow Flowers podcast has been downloaded more than 438,000 times by listeners like you. We wrapped up the month of March with more than 17,000 downloads of episodes, an all-time record listenership. So exciting to see our community continue to grow. Thank you for listening, commenting, and sharing. It means so much. Thank you all. I'm Deborah Prinzing, host and producer of the Slow Flowers podcast. Next week, you're invited to join me in putting more American-grown flowers on the table, one vase at a time. And if you like what you hear, please consider logging onto iTunes and posting a listener review. The content and opinions expressed here are either mine alone or those of my guests alone, independent of any podcast sponsor or other person, company, or organization. The Slow Flowers podcast is engineered and edited by Andrew Brenlin. Learn more about his work at soundbodymovement.com. Music